sex in particular, a word that I have difficulty saying out loud by myself, let alone in public. From my memory, I just remember being really interested in my breath. Like first time I hit, it was like really soft because I was like, I don't want to hurt this person. I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, and she was like, hit me harder. And I was like, eh. I don't get to heal like 75% of my life and 25% I'm just like, okay, those skeletons get to stay in the closet. This is episode 24, live from the Touchpoint Town Hall in New York City. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast about love, sex, and identity in the modern world. I'm your host, Jared Matthew Weiss. Each week, I chat with an inspiring person that will help you expand your mind, open your heart, and give you one thing to think about on your journey towards great love. Thanks for hanging with me today. Here we go. Sex, much like life, is best when we feel fully expressed. But that's why for many of us, sex just isn't as good as it could be. Often we may feel constricted or afraid, ashamed of what we think, what we want, or where we've been. In this episode of Touchpoint, we hear stories of people who have overcome shame and some that are working on it. Some really helpful insights from our sex educator in residence, Dr. Jana, and the important reminder that when we speak our truth, we set ourselves free. Thanks for listening. Here we go. So Craig, Greg, Craig, where are you from? I'm from England. You're from England. Speak up a little so that <coughs> all the people can hear you in the back. I'm from South England. South yeah. England, thank God. Okay. And uh, <laughs> it's the English enclave over here. <laughs> so, so Craig, um, your story, uh, is a beautiful one, and I'm really excited to hear it. So why don't you uh, set everyone free and tell us what's going on. Thank you. So I've always been extremely sensitive and extremely nervous, and growing up in small town England, that was exacerbated because basically everything felt taboo. Uh, sex, in particular, a word that I have difficulty saying out loud by myself, let alone in public, was just not something we discussed or talked about. Uh, my earliest memories around it are when watching innocent things on television, if a kissing scene came on, my parents would sort of make squawking noises. <laughs> the cue for my sister and I to bury our heads in our hands and stare at the floor just in case we saw a peck on the cheek or some such thing. So this Pavlovian predestination did not really set me up for personal exploration. And that meant... <laughs> <laughs> I was very pumped up and excited and overeager, and when discovering the joys of being with oneself, just came instantly. And <laughs> had no real control over this at all. And that did not change when being with partners. It didn't really change when I adopted the British perspective of obliterating myself with booze and then being with partners. And I was thinking, what can I do about this? It's fun, but it's not as good as it could be. So. I decided that maybe taboo was actually a good thing rather than the thing to avoid. So I moved from booze to weed to psychedelics. I moved from being with one partner to being with multiple partners. And eventually, many years later, found myself in a triad. And suddenly... Wait, you found yourself in a what? A triad. A I was, triad? In this case, it was a relationship with the three of us, and it was like polyfidelitous. We were exclusive, the three of us together. A, like some may call it a thruple in, instead of a couple. <laughs> okay, fair so enough. Everyone okay, has enough. their own words. Jana's giving you a nod that that's yeah, an acceptable that's definition. Acceptable. So go on. We're good. <laughs> and strangely, sort of being with two other women at the same time helped like, calm me down and explore my own sense of body, get out of my head a bit more. Um, and one of them suggested that maybe my responses sexually were kind of shifting over time and that I should read this book she'd heard about. So she got it for me. It's called The Multi-Orgasmic Man by Mantak Chia. Never heard of it before. I was sort of aware of some of the things in it from doing yoga and qigong. I'm like, I'll give this a go. And I guess part of the premise of the book is that the idea of a man ejaculating is him orgasming, but that's not the only way for him to orgasm. And part of it is to sort of just slow you down to get to that point, because personally, when I get sexually excited, this may be the case for other penis havers too, 
the basic sensation you have, it can be expressed thusly. I must ejaculate now! <laughs> Hashtag biological imperative. So, <laughs> you, it's difficult to think about being calm and reasonable when you're turned on. I, I sat down on the couch to read the book, and the very first exercise is about breathing to take the sexual energy and store it in your stomach, because apparently you can put it there. Um, and then touching your taint. Now, uh, I'm going to speak in American to make this clear, hopefully, for you. Your taint is the part of your body between your junk and your butt crack. <laughs> um, I'd heard Dan Savage talk about this and sort of say that, like, Cosmo, like, mentioned it and that it doesn't do anything, it's not worth it. So I wasn't really expecting very much at all. I certainly wasn't expecting to be taken over completely by a cascading, crescendoing, panoramic, water-sealing, all-over-body orgasm for about the next 15 minutes, to the point where I only really stopped because I was kind of concerned that I might turn myself to jelly, not having read <laughs> the next chapter. And I kind of realized that, yes, this is a way to like, get control, to be part of not just yourself and your experience, but those around you too. That I would, had been making, I'd been having sex under capitalism because capitalism leads to the money shot. Whereas what I might choose to do instead was make love from a socialist perspective and share <laughs> with everybody. And that way, I could embrace the fact that my sensitivity wasn't so much a burden as something more akin to a superpower. Everybody crack. So, Craig, I have some questions. Sure. Um, the first one is really about your triad, actually. Okay. Um, or your thruple however you choose to call it. Is this, what, what was the, ha what happened with your triad, your thruple? Are you still a part of that? Thruple? I am not a part of that, no, okay. at the moment. Um, I've been in several triads. In that particular case, uh, the three of us were together for about a year, and it was sort of a magical way of being, instead, like, the love you have for one other person, having that reflected to another party as well and back to you. So there was just this continual kind of circling of love that everybody felt, such that just seeing these two people together and holding hands, like even just saying it now kind of makes me tear up. It was so, this sublime specialness that I've, I've experienced this with individual partners, but that extra amplification was magic. Beautiful. And and how long ago was this where you discovered that, the book and that would have been about 10 years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm so grateful that you're Thank here. You. Thank you so, much. so hearing that I just question what words come up for you when you hear that shout them out when you know them. Any words? Fearlessness. Fearlessness. Okay. Beauty. Beauty. Exploration. Acceptance. Acceptance. Study. Study, yeah. Okay. Polyamory. Somebody said, what was that? Polyamory. Polyamory, right. Okay. Premature ejaculation. <laughs> premature ejaculation. All right, I think we should go over to Jana. <laughs> so, Jana, let's talk about premature ejaculation. Okay. Um, is that what that is? I mean, is, is there a distinction between premature ejaculation and like I'm turned, like what, how, how do we define premature ejaculation? So a lot of people think that we define it by the amount of time that it takes from starting intercourse to till ejaculating. Right. Um, but it doesn't, it's defined by if you come sooner than you want to or sooner than your partner wants to. Literally that is the definition. Even though there are some attempts to say, well, less than one minute, or less than a minute and a half is kind of typical for premature ejaculation, but the diagnosis is if you're distressed by how quickly you, you orgasm. So, okay, so if you're distressed or your partner's distressed. Or your partner's so distressed, So if I have sex yeah. with a person for 45 minutes <laughs> and they want to go for an hour and a half and then I come, <laughs> is that technically I, premature I, ejaculation? I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> 
you, you could try to argue that. You could be distressed that you're not having sex long enough. But okay. I, I think most psychiatrists or psychologists would push back on, on that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, wonderful. Amazing. All right, well, thank and you. And it's the most common sexual complaint for penis owners. People think it's erectile difficulties. Is but that it's the not. word we're using now? Penis owners? <laughs> it's one I'm word. Into it. yeah. yeah, I just yeah. want to make sure. Okay, penis cool. owners, penis, uh, you said penis. He said penis havers. havers. Yeah. Um, I use okay. penis owners. Great. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Up to a third of penis owners will experience it in their lives. So it's pretty common. Okay. Anybody who's ever been there, say word. Word. Okay. So that's a bit of a shameful word, but, but uh, it's, a, it's a word. No. It wasn't like, we're all going to talk about this word. It was like, Fucking but word. this is the first time I hear a uh, cure for premature ejaculation, a throuple. Right. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay. All right. All right. So, so, uh, so thank you so much, Craig. I really appreciate that. That was amazing. Um, so now, you know, I would love to, to, to go over to Denise. Where is Denise? Hi, Denise. Everybody, please put your hands together for Denise. So we're just going to wait a second until the microphone can get to you. I'm waiting for my mic. Yeah, so let's just, <laughs> you're waiting for your mic. Yes. Okay, so Hello. Denise, I know that, you know, I wanted you here with us tonight because I know you worked on a very special project and you birthed from that project a really interesting creative uh, endeavor. And so maybe you can tell us a bit about the, the project that you created and, and then share with us some of the some of the beautiful poetry that you, uh, you create as a result. Okay, great. Um, my name is Denise Arana Perez, Denise with two S's. And um, I am a copywriter and a photographer. And today I will be talking to you guys about this project that I wrote um, that is called Inside the Head. And uh, it's an online publication. Um, and basically it started with me asking myself, um, I just wanted to explore more what it feels like uh, to not be too young anymore and not too old. And um, that is the stage in which I am now on. <laughs> and my contemporaries as well, and my friends. And I realized that there's just too much attention on talking about childhood and adolescence and adulthood and death. <laughs> but nobody really talks about the transitions in between these stages. And nobody really warns you that the transition between youth and adulthood is this confusing. <laughs> and Britney Spears did. And, and, uh, I mean, <laughs> I just, I just want to throw that out there. No, she she showed us through her actions, not through her music. Well, she was not yet a woman <laughs> or not yet a girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, <Right> yes. <laughs> um, but apart from Britney, I wanted to go a little bit deeper <laughs> into it. Um, and what I did was that I, um, I asked around friends of mine, strangers, and I uh, asked them what they had learned uh, about specific subjects. Uh, they were age, body, the body, the mind, friendship, family, love, and sex. And they came back to me and uh, they confessed very private things I didn't even know. My brothers confessed to me things I didn't know about them, about these subjects. Um, and then I, inspired by those insights, I decided to write, I call them irregular verses. They're not traditional poetry at all. Um, and then I just made this online publication with these chapters. And I'm here to read uh, a couple of them from the chapter about sex. Um, so the title of the project, as I said, is Inside the Head. Irregular verses inspired by the delusions, confusions, and illusions of young adults. Before you share, Denise, I just wanted to ask, this is like your first time really presenting this poetry this way, isn't it? Well, it is presented to the world online. No, so but where you're <laughs> reading but, but it, But I haven't right? read it to, to Okay, anybody. everybody, this is her first time really doing a recitation <laughs> of her work. Well, thank you. Um, so I'm just gonna separate them by number. So there's four of them. So, um, and just a parenthesis, they're not inspired, as I said, they're not about me, they're about different people. And I just wrote inspired by that. Uh, number one, sex is the only stable and constant thing I have going on for me. Sex balances my very unbalanced life. Sex I can control, life I cannot. Number two, right now, 
in this exact moment. All I care about is you. Right now, you're important to me. The only thing I can think of. After you come and the lights are back on, I'll go back to caring about no one else but me. <laughs> Number three, mind-blowing, thought-erasing, earth-shattering, bed-shattering, soul-shaking, soul-exercising, spine-tingling, spine-damaging, transcendentally orgasmic, I cannot believe this is real kind of sex. I've never had it. <laughs> but I've definitely watched it. <laughs> Number four. I know exactly what I need to get me off, but I'll keep it to myself. It is fun watching you trekking through my body, full of zeal, determined to figure out how this all works. Woo! The end. So, Denise, are you open to me asking you some questions? Of course. Since you, you channeled this work, you know, people sent you all this stuff and then you ended up composing this work. I think um, the, the one that, you know, I, I feel called to ask about is actually the one around, like, uh, understanding myself and you just trying to figure it out, that last one that you were just yeah. saying. So what comes up for you personally around that? Like, how, what, what, how do you feel about that? About this Is that an one. experience that you resonate with? Um, the last one. Yeah. Um, yes, I think um, there is something about, I mean, I'm very comfortable in saying that I know myself very well <laughs> and I know how my body works. But I think there is something interesting in having someone having the willingness to either explore further or go somewhere where I haven't gone yet. So it is, there's a, pl there's a playfulness to it as yeah. well. Um, and sometimes it's nice to not give out all the answers, and sometimes it's like, I'll give you the answers. But I think uh, I can resonate to some extent to it. Okay, so I'm gonna ask some more questions. Yeah. Okay, cool. How are you feeling right now? Great. Okay, good, good. So um, you referenced that you've had some partners who have showed you things about yourself that maybe you didn't know yes. prior. So what's an example of that? An example of that? Um, hmm. Sorry, let me dial back and get a clear <laughs> example. Um, I think I'm more, I'm more sensitive than I thought I was, but that's sexually and sometimes emotionally, the combination of the two. Anybody else who's been there say a word. Word. Yeah. 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 Sex. Definitely and the connection of the two. I, I, I always thought, okay, um, they have really shown me what, how, I don't know, what a difference it can make when, um, I don't know, when there is a, a unique, truthful exchange with the person. So that makes a difference for yeah. sure. All right. Everybody, Denise. Mm. Thank you so much. Okay, okay. So hearing that, hearing that little exchange, what what words come up for you now? Confidence. What was that? Confidence. Confidence. Connection. Connection. Exploration. Exploration. Where did that come from? Oh, okay, back here. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna swing this mic around. Oh. You had to say Damn something, right? <laughs> 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 All right, exploration. Hi. What's exploration. your name? I'm Leo. Leo. Yeah. Everybody say hi, Leo. Hi, Leo. Hi, everyone. Leo, I can feel how excited you are to do this <laughs> right now, and so I'm feeling um, this. Hi, so, yeah. So, Leo, what, what comes up for you on exploration, Leo? Um, how fun it is. Like, I think it's discovering anything is always fun to me, and when you're with a partner and you trust each other enough that you can explore each other's bodies and explore each other's minds and explore, test where you can go, yeah. it's a beautiful thing. So and, um, so yeah, and I really enjoy exploration and yeah. seeing where it can go. So in your exploration, mm -hmm. uh, what do you think of when you think of like, wow, that partner really tested where I could go? Um, 
guess more like um like more like the BDS BDSM stuff, the Buddhism stuff. The Buddhism stuff. I never stuff. <laughs> I uh I really I first I didn't even know how to get into that world and then once I was shown that world I didn't realize how much I liked that world. Okay. Like it was a really interesting world to be in. So um, who showed you? Um a good friend of mine, she kind of guided me that way. And, and um yeah. introduced me to more people who were in that world and yeah, it was something that I never before never knew that I would even be interested in yeah. until she showed me it. All right, awesome. anybody who's who's curious, say word. All right, we're all curious. <laughs> so, so in terms of initiating you, because like, you know, Jana can speak to this too, you know, BDSM is like, from what I've learned is, you know, you really, it's a real art form. It's a real practice of yeah. understanding boundaries and knowing really how to create a space very intentionally. And it's very easy to like do it wrong and like be very traumatic in some sense. So, so how were you shepherded into that? Um, a good friend of hers is a, a professional dom. Okay. And he has a lot, lots of clients, and he became a good friend of mine. He kind of brought me under his wing for a little while to show me the ways, I guess. Um, and what did he show you? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> um, he showed me, the main thing he showed that it's really about, the, su the sub isn't really in command. The sub is the one that, is kind of telling you what you're, you're the one, you're, the Dom is doing the things for the sub. The sub. Jean, so could you just quickly define for us what he's talking about when he says, well, he the says the sub and Dom? Because the these would be new words, you know, they were new words to me years ago, and so right. what are we talking so about? So BDSM stands for bondage, discipline, then domination, submission, and sadism and masochism. And so the Dom and the sub, the dominant and the submissive, um, are the two kind of roles of the power dynamic and lots of different things can go under that. So it can be physical stuff, it can be um, kind of psychological stuff. So there's a lot, BDSM, Buddhism is a massive, like whole other planet of sex that right. can happen out there. Yeah, so. Okay, cool, let's go back to Leo. <laughs> <laughs> Leo is just looking for a hole to crawl in right now. <laughs> um, okay, so Leo, so, yeah. so you were talking about the sub and dom role? Um, no, just the fact that uh, that a lot of what I thought it was, it really wasn't. That it's yeah. a lot about you're pleasuring your partner. You're trying to make your partner happy. And it's not about trying to, it's not about pain. It's not about humiliate, humiliating somebody. It's about making them release any kind of in inhibitions that they have because they're kind of forced to in a way. Yeah. Um, and that connection that you get with somebody because now they trust you so much and yeah. there's so much more, I think there's more of a connection you can have with somebody when you go through that kind of experience together. So, so this will be my final question. I okay, thank God. <laughs> um, are you open? <laughs> He's sweating. I'm He's sweating. literally <laughs> going like this. Honestly, Leo, you're such a champ. I really appreciate you going through this with me. My question is, are you open to sharing an anecdote or a moment where you had a real moment of self-discovery, where somebody really, you know, where you, you, you had something similar to what you're describing? Um, I'm trying to think of a moment. Can I come back to you on that one? Absolutely. <laughs> right. You sit on that. I'm going to come back to you in Thank a few you. minutes. Right. When we're talking about BDSM, because we've gotten here, what words come up for you? Leather. Leather. <laughs> Fair enough. Control. Control. Archetype. Oh, my God. Do you guys like BDSM? Okay, cool. <laughs> Very great. What was that? Archetypes. Archetypes. Insecurity. Insecurity. Vulnerability. Subspace. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Subspace. That sounds like a technical term. Let's bring it over here. <laughs> What's your name? I'm Jane. Jane. Hey. Is that your real name? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jane. <laughs> all, of sudden, all of a sudden, everybody's named Jane. Okay, Jane. Jane, what? You said subspace. I don't even really necessarily know what that means. Uh, my understanding is that there's like a, like a, like a liminal trance that can kind of 
be dropped into when the intensity of experience like gets to be like pushes you past a threshold have you had that experience um yeah you have had that experience yeah are you open to telling us like what happened um well my experience i only got there once i was on a lot of psychedelics Yeah, and I was with a partner who was a lot older than me, and I think there was something about the inherent power dynamic that really allowed me to release, and all of a sudden I was somewhere else. Who was this partner? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is that your boo? Oh, no. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, sorry. No, this is my Elijah. This is That's your better. Elijah. That's I don't know that term. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> That's like, forget it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, actually, he was a kind of like, like a self-help guru. His partner? That yeah, he was very polyamorous, very sleeping with everyone, really knew how to have sex. It was wonderful. That's probably his. Like, <laughs> that's probably his Instagram bio. <laughs> <laughs> I re- I really know how to have sex. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> okay, so how did you connect with this person? Uh, initially, how did I find him? Yeah. Oh, I was at some festival and he walked by naked, and that was that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what what festival were you at? Fire festival. This <laughs> 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 is the one good story they left out of a documentary right here. Okay, so what what festival? Um, there's this funny community in San Francisco and they throw satirical festivals. So they'll pick a theme. Sometimes it's breakfast and it's all of a sudden it's like the Teflon pot owners versus the cast iron pot owners. And there's the whole narrative unfolds. And anyway, this guru was walking through this mess and I thought he was a babe. So I said so. Okay. And then all of a sudden we were having psychedelic sex. And all of a sudden you were having <laughs> psychedelic sex. Okay, we got to go a little deeper down the rabbit hole. <laughs> I would lo- I just got an, I got it. Okay, so what, so was this your first time having psychedelic sex? Uh, to be fair, we dated for months before we got to the, the like the subspace liminal experience. Oh, yeah. okay, so that, you didn't drop into the subspace uh, sex the, uh, number one. No, no. Take, sex, it, first sex. <laughs> step one, sex. No, okay. it's, it's, okay, yeah, it's, all right. So you built like a like the emotional safety Some and the connection. Some rapport, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, and then like what do you feel like what you explored physically? Like were there certain positions or certain things physically that you felt were really important to the experience? Like it was th- those things were necessary in order for you to get to the place you got, you know, psychologically, emotionally, or was it really just about the energy and the connection that you shared? Um. That's a complicated question. I would say that I, from my memory, I just remember being really interested in my breath. In your breath? Yeah, and something about how it would like pulse and his breath would pulse and then with the, you know, the way that drugs work, everything feels like it means something. And so the, (laughs) 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 like all of a sudden, yeah, just like, if you haven't tried it, give it a, g- give it a go with okay. someone you really care about. All right. Thank God you're here, Jane. Thank you so much. Amazing. Amazing. Leo, I don't want you to think I've forgotten about you. I'm just saying. Um, okay. So our next storyteller tonight uh, is, oh, my God, you and Elijah are the cutest thing ever. This is Elijah, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> cool. I love you, too. Okay, so... So our next storyteller, um, where is she? Where is Jenny? Jenny? Oh, Jenny's right here. <laughs> Everybody, please put your hands together for Jenny. <laughs> Hi, Jenny. Hello. So, Jenny, I'm going to ask you to speak up so all the people can okay. hear you, okay? Jenny and I literally connected this morning, and I believe this is possibly her first time talking about her sex life in front of 150 yes, people, and right? Yes, and first time at... And the first time at Touchpoint, I mean, everything. So please put your heads together for Jenny. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Okay, so Jenny, uh, we're just going to just talk this out because we had a conversation and I felt like, I mean, you just had some really wonderful things to share. So first and foremost, 
um, when you were a little girl, you had had a conversation with your mom. You were about six years old. What was that conversation? Yeah, um, I told my mom, I was like, you know, I, I like girls. And she said, yeah, you like your friends. They're, they're your friends. And I was like, no, mom, I have friends. <laughs> and I also <laughs> have girls that I like like, you know? The like like was different. <laughs> yeah. So um, she told me um, that I had it all wrong. I was like, no, um, I feel this strongly. And she said, Jenny, you're supposed to be with a man. And don't even worry about that now because it's not, you don't have to worry about it. It's not, you know, when you get to of age, then maybe you could be with a man, but now is not the time to even think about that. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then, and so, so you, you got shut down as a child. Yeah. It's, it's rough when you're little too. I confided in her and, um, I felt safe enough to express that because to me, it didn't seem like anything, um, strange it was just you know something i had to to vocalize to her and it kind of seemed like it was her face and what she said was just like that's not no right. don't do that so then so then beyond that when you started to sort of actualize or step into your sexual self you, you know as you grow up yeah there were like relationships with boys right yeah well like towards middle school is when everyone's like you're cute you know so um i still felt that same attraction to women like anytime I would masturbate I'd see men and women but like focus on the woman and then I was like you know there's like now women on women and I'm like cool this is this is for me and I kind of kept that to myself really so like high school came around and my friends um who were girls were dating boys and I was like okay cool I guess I gotta get a boyfriend now <laughs> um so I did and um we had a pretty awesome relationship we were really close with each other and we ended up um well I ended up expressing to him that I wanted to try pegging you wanted and to try what pegging pegging yeah okay hold on we're just gonna <laughs> go over here real fast <laughs> because pegging may be new I know it was new for me the first time I heard that so Jana could you just tell us what pegging is quickly sure uh pegging is a <coughs> sexual practice where typically a woman um, has anal sex with a man where she is the insertive partner using a strap-on dildo. Now, people have used that for women fucking women <clears throat> as well, but it's typically used for women fucking men this way. And there is this like weird, uh, inaccurate misconception, uh, obviously all misconceptions are inaccurate, uh, that, uh, <laughs> that, that it's somehow a gay thing and that's just dumb. Um, because it literally has nothing to do with your sexual orientation. It has everything to do with wanting to get fucked in the ass. And there are plenty of gay men who don't like that, and there are plenty of straight men who do. So. Okay. Thank you for clearing <laughs> that up. So now you're how old? Uh, around 16, 17. 16, 17, and yeah. you knew what pegging was yeah. from, I mean, I, I found out about this two years ago in our town. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a muggle. So, no, no, no. <laughs> so you're, you're like the Harry Potter of sex. And so, okay, so well, you're 16, this was, 17. This was also like two, 2013. Right. Um, so, you know, I was, you know, we're all exposed to these things now if we really want to. And what Dr. Zana said, my boyfriend at the time thought exactly that. He was like, this is gay. Like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Like, you're crazy. And that hurt, you know, like like flashback to my mom saying like, what the fuck? So I was like, okay, never mind then. Um, and I kind of ignored that. I was like, cool, maybe, um, you know, I'm gonna go to college soon. And we stayed together and then things kind of got a little, we kind of drifted a little bit. And at that point he was um, trying to save, I guess, our relationship. But at the same time, he, I think, took into consideration what I said to him and he was like, you know, Jenny, like we could try what you wanted to try. And, um, you know, I'd be down to do that. And at the time I was like, what? Like, are you to save the relationship? He was going to, well, well yeah, pegged. I thought that at first I was like, you're going to try to, you're going to do, you're going to put your ass on the line, literally. For <laughs> 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 and 
but I was I was wrong, uh, or at least I think I was wrong because um, when we did, uh, he his idea was to put on my underwear, and for me to wear boots, and I was like I I all I only need the dildo, but you want these other props, <laughs> so it kind of turned into like this thing that he also wanted to explore, I think, and anytime it was a conversation outside of like a sexual um a sexual exchange exchange it was kind of um it was still uncomfortable for him so how many times did you explore this once once yeah um but you know he he got those two props in there (laughs) that time um so yeah after that i i realized that you know it wasn't what we had it was more like what i wanted and it wasn't that um how are you feeling about you know, because if we go back to being young, knowing, like, having feelings for, you know, for girls uh, or people with vaginas and then, you know, masturbating to people with vaginas and then having this boyfriend and having these experiences. So when this experience ends, like, I guess, how did you feel about yourself through this whole experience? Is that somebody's cell phone? Just turn your phone off. Thanks. Yeah, I, um, at the time, you don't, quote-unquote really feel it but of course I did I was really suppressing all those feelings for a long time and um even when people did come out like in middle school high school because it was you know more publicly um known I still didn't even though I was comfortable with other people being that way and um expressing themselves I still felt like me myself I couldn't because of like a lot of I think family um, and cultural things that were kind of pushed onto me. Okay, so um, so now we fast forward. You went to college, and I know yeah. recently you had an experience where you met somebody. So yeah, I um, so I hooked up with girls previously, um, and didn't really see it as like, um, you know, it's like for fun and it's. It's whatever, but I recently, about like a year ago, I was like, I I like this girl. I had this girl in my class that um, always said awesome things. It was a psychology of prejudice class, um, and she, her and I would always like talk about theories and giggle at each other. And it was obvious that she was open to to seeing me. And I like the last day of class, I was like, Hey, do you wanna like? hang out sometime and she was like yeah what are you doing like after this and I was like well I have a presentation she was like willing to skip class and I was like I got I'm I am too but this presentation so (laughs) um so she was like good luck on the presentation she texted me so I felt really secure and I was like cool we're gonna we're gonna have a good time and and we did we like hooked up that night and we we spent like the whole summer together and I I never initiated a relationship with a woman until then and I'm I'm really glad I did because I took it into my own hands. Woo! Okay. And now And now you're on you're on Tinder? Yeah, I'm on Tinder exclusively looking for other queer um vagina owning. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Everybody Jenny. Jenny. So so what words come up for you when you hear Jenny's story? Oh, <laughs> Fair. What else? College. College. Mirror. Mirror. Becoming. Becoming. Who said becoming? Put your hand up. Higher. Higher. Okay. Go to becoming. Okay, becoming. I think it's like um, the journey of finding yourself, and when you do, it's celebration. So I really thank you for sharing that with us today. So can we talk a little bit about your journey? (laughs) (laughs) When you knew me, I was going through it. (laughs) Okay, well, here we are. (laughs) (laughs) And all of them are here, too. (laughs) So what's what's coming up for you about finding yourself? it's interesting being back in New York in this space and looking at it from a different perspective. Um, you know, I'm here with Chloe. I, you know, I talk to her. I, I used to have a lot of anxiety 
um, chronic anxiety. And I didn't, I didn't know that it was chronic anxiety. I just thought that was normal. So, but I, I have a partner and I'm not saying that that like, it allowed me to be like who I am. And I realized like, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, like, I think for me at first, I, for me, I had my mother and she was really close to me. Like that was my, the umbilical cord. And so finding, I'm not finding someone that I, that not to replace my mother, but an individual like that supports you. Like did something happen to your mother? No, she's, she's still here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how's this partnership that you're in? What's going on? Um, he's coming to visit from like, um, Germany in like a week. Yeah. Yeah. So So you're doing a long distance then. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like, I think like, like, you you know, like you think like, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. And anybody here who's ever asked themselves, (laughs) is there something wrong with me? Say word. (laughs) Okay. Like, I mean, we're all with you. Okay. Self-deprecation, like just, you know, and then you're like, ah, like it's you know it's really not that bad you know thank god all right jenny see what you did thank god (laughs) there we go all right thank you so much for sharing i appreciate it all right all right so we we have uh we have a final storyteller tonight i'm super excited i'm so excited that she's here i'll tell you why um just so i can get a gauge for the room uh, how many people here uh, are alive today because two people had sex? Just put your hands up. <laughs> we laugh. We, we laugh. We laugh because, you know, 1% of the population uh, is born uh, or conceived in a test tube. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey. Okay. So that's exciting. I'm glad you're here. What's your name? Jessica. Jessica. Thank God you're here. So... So I think this is, an interesting, this is an interesting moment. I say that a lot. I say this thing about, about being born through two people having sex and then 1% of people being you know, conceived in a test tube. Today we have Jessica who's celebrating that. But like all things, you know, not everybody celebrates everything. And last Friday night, I was out of town and I checked my Instagram and I had a series of messages from somebody who said, I heard you at one of your events make this comment about being conceived in a test tube and I was really triggered because I felt like you were making fun of me. And I I had no intention of making fun of her. Uh, If anything, my intention was just to actually create a moment where we could call out that actually not all of us are conceived through sex. Um, And uh, and it it resonated in, in the wrong way and uh, I found out that I had hurt somebody and I apologized I said I I realized that I have a lot to learn and I invited her here to tell her story so Jessie is here to tell us her story please put your hands together And this is a big moment. She's really never shared this story before, and this is a big thing. So, so Jesse, tell us what's going on. Tell us what happened. Thanks. So I reached out to Jared to say that um, I felt triggered by that comment because that is exactly what my fourth grade teacher said to me when I told him how I was born. And as an eight-year-old... Um, I didn't understand sex, nonetheless, how one would be born through not a dad. And so what you said wasn't necessarily about what you said, but it was about where it hit me in my own story. So I want to just go back a little bit and talk about my background. Maybe about five years ago, I got divorced, and that was super painful for me, um, like most people, but specifically because I didn't grow up with a mom and dad, and so I was really committed to having a, quote, normal family. And so when that slipped away, it wasn't just um, 
grieving my ex. It was grieving this normal life that I felt like I never got to have. Um, and I really felt like such a failure and I felt so down on my knees and anxious and depressed. And there came a moment where I was like, you know what? I want to transcend the legacy of pain that has is not only my pain, but that's been passed down from generations and generations that says, oh, there's only one way to be happy and it looks like this. So from there, I became a warrior for my greatness and I became committed to living a life that I would enjoy. And so one of the things that I did uh, among many was I went to a workshop last summer and I learned there that um, it's through being witnessed in our shame that we get to transcend it and there they asked us to stand in front of a group and say the thing that we were most ashamed of and they were like okay there's something that just popped into your head the one that you were like I'm never saying this I'm going to the grave with this one that's the thing that you get to say and there are a lot of things but I realized that we can't selectively heal I don't get to heal like 75% of my life and 25% I'm just like okay those skeletons get to stay in the closet um, and I realized that the that for me this was a big story so my story is that I was born to two lesbian mothers in 1980 which in 2019 I tell this story and people are like yeah in the 80s and 90s, it was like I felt like an alien from outer space, like being born in a science lab. And I didn't know how to talk about it. And then to top it off, my non-biological mom, she died of breast cancer when I was three. So there was like that layer. And then my mom was like disowned by her parents. So there was that layer. And then... Um, and then I found out when I was 10 that, my, that the sperm donor died of AIDS. So I was just like, I don't know how to like even talk about my parents without like wanting to run and hide under the rug. Um, and the truth is, is I was born out of tremendous love. My mom wanted me so badly. She tried for five years before. I was born to have me and three years after to have a sibling for me. They loved each other deeply. They were pioneers that make it so this story isn't that weird now. Um, and I get now that like, I don't get to pretend that this isn't me. Like this is, owning my story is what makes me me and it, it gives me power in saying like, you know what, this is who I am. I, it's never going away. I'm never going to be somebody with a mom and dad and a brother and sister. This is, this is who I am. And when I tell my story, I realize that I give permission for everybody to be themselves. And I made this the reason that I wasn't worthy of love and belonging for so long. And when you said that, it's like it triggered that feeling of like I'm an outsider because 99% of the room raised their hand. And I'm feeling like, oh, my God, I'm the one out like this outsider feeling comes up. And I'm like, I don't want to feel like an outsider. I want to feel the love and belonging that I think we all want to feel. And so by reaching out to you, I was like, you know what? Um, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to, instead of hiding, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, like, this is, this is my story. This is why that made me feel like an outsider. Um, because I want every one of us to feel worthy of love and belonging, no matter how we were born, no matter who our parents are, no matter who we decide to fuck, all of it. Like, we, we are love. Woo! Shauna? I really would love to talk a little bit more about about what you know what she's experienced and you know she's she's saying she's felt like an outsider and 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 you know was it Jessica? Jessica. Oh, Jessica. Okay, so Jay is we so you know I, I feel like we're actually not very informed. We're not really informed on on artificial insemination and IVF and what these things are. So maybe you could just speak to that a little bit and 
Yeah, I mean, it's a great point that it's so much more accepted and, and, and uh, not just accepted, but prevalent these days. As you said, uh, about 1%, it's actually more like 1.5 to 2%. So the number of kids born not through two people having sex is, is increasing. And so it's becoming so much more normalized. But in the 80s, that was a very kind of unique. It was like 0.001%. Um, and then on top of that, lesbian moms and all that. So you, you get these multiple layers of, uh, of exclusion. But basically, as, as far as some of the procedures go, I think people don't often know the differences. Uh, there, there is artificial insemination or intrauterine insemination, which is um, basically getting sperm from somebody and putting it directly into the uterus of, of uh, the uterus owner. And then everything goes, like the fertilization process goes as it would uh, typically. And that's a much cheaper, much simpler procedure. And then you have IVF which is in vitro fertilization, where um, you take, you harvest the eggs outside the body and then take the sperm, then you fertilize them uh, outside of the body, and then you implant the fertilized embryo inside. And so that's a much more expensive pr procedure, much, um, but although it, it has a higher, um, higher success rate. So amazing. All right, well, thank, thank you for yeah. sharing that. And I think that the reason why I, I felt it was really important to share this tonight is because you know, this is designed to be a space where we can learn from each other and we can expand what we believe is possible for ourselves in bed, in love, and in life. And I think that, you know, we do, you know, Jenny, you, you, you really made such a, an eloquent point around, you know, the, the shame that we feel for being who we are and so often we get shut down for being who we are. And um, I was really moved by what you sent me and I, I hope that this space does for you what it's done for me and I believe what it's done for so many is that it's allowed us to just really, you know, transcend shame and step into a place where it's just like we can really just be who we are in a really wonderful way. Basically, we all aspire to be Jessica, essentially. <laughs> um, so um, thank you so much for sharing your story. I really, really appreciate it. So, so, so before we wrap things up, I just want to ask, Leo. <laughs> Leo, I gave you enough time. I know you did. And I know you got it. I mean, I guess I have some story. Yeah, um, everybody, Leo is going to close <laughs> us off. Come on, Leo. Tell us what happened, Leo. <laughs> um, you asked, it, like, what? Sorry, what was your question again? <laughs> no, um, Come on, Leo. No, I would say, like, the first time, one of the first times my friend had a session, um, it was a group of us, and I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know anything about the world, in a sense. Um, and he did this, he, like, curated this thing where it was, like, there was food and drink, and then we had, like, he brought the women into the room, and they, they had this whole setup and all this stuff. And at first, I was just... I was really nervous and kind of was out of place by it. And um, once once we, everybody started getting more comfortable, like I realized that it was something I discovered more about myself, that I was really into that world and I was really into that experience. And um, like I said before, it was something that I never really knew anything about. And so I discovered that about myself. What did you experience? Um, I mean, it was... I mean, when I think of BDSM, I feel like I'd be up against a wall and I'm crying and I'm wearing okay. leather. <laughs> and I, like, it's um, just, I'm very scared. No, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, started, it started off very innocent. Like everyone kind of gathered in a circle and we were a lot of feeding each other chocolates and, and fruits and vegetables, like not vegetables, but fruits and. Uh, <laughs> See, um, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've done that, I've done BDSM. Um, I'm sure you can add vegetables if you want, if you're healthier. Okay. Um, yeah, and then and then we were taken into the room where there was a woman who was strapped up, I would say, and um, she was strapped up. Well, she had her arms tied up. She, there was a device, like some ropes coming from the ceiling, and then her arms were strapped in the ropes. And okay, um, the dom comes in and he kind of he does his thing, and then what is his thing? Um, <laughs> so first, it starts off with some some light butt smacking, you know. Then okay. it gets a little bit harder, and then it's. Okay goes massaging and um, blindfolding and whips come out and like it slowly builds up. Um, wow. And then I was invited to take his place as a dom, which is something I, like I said, I never did before. So like 
I didn't know, like first time I hit it was like really soft because I was like, I don't want to hurt this person. I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, and she was like, hit me harder. And I was like, uh, like this hard is like harder. And like, so it helped me feel more comfortable with myself and what, like, where I could go um, because I knew this person for a while. Like she was a good friend of mine and it was a lot of trust. Um, so it made, yeah, it made it easier for me to be able to l learn that I could be a dom. Wow. And I didn't know that. So. Leo! <laughs> All right. Thank God you're here, Leo. So grateful for you. Okay, so now as we close the space, I always ask, um, by a show of hands, if you feel like you heard one thing that you will leave here tonight thinking about, just put your hand up. If you just heard one thing, just like one little thing, just a little nugget of something, okay. Um, this gentleman right here. Hello. Hi, let's just wait till we get the mic in your face. <laughs> uh, what is your name? Alon. Alon. And Alon, what is the one thing you think you're going to be thinking about as you leave here tonight? Um, probably would say uh, to be more expressive and trust your instinct. To be more expressive and trust your instinct. Anybody who feels like Alon, say word. word. Okay, great. Um, yes, over here. Wait one second. We're just going to drop a mic over you. What is, one, what is your name? Nasima. Nasima. And what is one thing you heard tonight that you think you're going to leave here thinking about? Acceptance of self and others. Acceptance of self and others. Whoever's with Nasima, say word. word. Okay. And then we're going to go over there. Right there, right here, Erwin. She's wearing the white sweater. Fair enough. I'm Larissa. What is, your, what, what, is your, what is your name? Larissa. Larissa? Yes. Okay, Larissa, and what is one thing you're going to leave here thinking about tonight? Um, I really resonated with the journey of self-acceptance that everybody shared, you know, taking something that is kind of shamed in society and instead of withdrawing as, oh, not having sexual experiences, really figuring out, well, how can I make this better, you know, and um, visible or... or you know, self self suppression of oh yeah maybe it's you know and and saying oh maybe that's how I'm just supposed to feel about this about all really examples that were given and turning it into poetry and um, having the confidence in the last last verb that last um, paragraph of you know the when she was saying of like I'm just gonna watch you figure it out it's like okay this is somebody who's comfortable expressing what they want and yeah. chooses not to you know and so. Um, as a recent journey of kind of this last year has been a lot of self-change and, um, and self-acceptance of being too much, talking too much, doing this too much, having too much, not being, people can't handle me because I'm just too much of whatever it is that you choose them too much of, you know? <laughs> and just being like, you know what? Like, if that's too much for you, then maybe I'm not for you, you know? And there's someone else who is. And I recently met someone who's just wonderful and who likes the too much of everything. Hey, so, uh, <laughs> All right. important part of this whole process and so I'm here to support her and Amazing. she's been so crucial all the tools that she's developed in accepting herself really we've had some powerful experiences together that have really helped me accept myself Woo! And all right thank you Larissa <laughs> Larissa I just want you to know that you have a job wrapping up touchpoint uh, <laughs> moving forward um, so I, I, would, I would like to say, first and foremost, that um, on that note, uh, at that very first touch point where we talked about Buddhism, um, <laughs> somebody, somebody that night shared a story that is largely responsible for why this space ultimately became what it is. And it was a, it was a, it was a woman in the room, and you know, at that point I was really, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. And, and people were sharing stories. Not that I really know what I'm doing now, but 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 um, she shared this story about BDSM, and she said that you know she she had gotten out of a sexless marriage, and her partner had gotten out of a sexless marriage, and they had been dating for about nine months, and um, 
And one night she said to him, have you ever tried anything erotic? And he said, no. And she was surprised. And she said, well, why don't we try something? And they ended up having a couple glasses of wine. And they talked about it. They went down to this toy, this sex toy store. And they bought a, uh, uh, some stuff. And they went back. And she says, an hour later, I was handcuffed to his kitchen table having the best sex of my life. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like a muggle, like, <laughs> right? And I'm just like, you know, why? Why was it the best sex of your life? And she said, I'm waiting for like, well, because he did this thing where he put his finger and then the other thing, you know? But it wasn't that. She said, I'll never forget it as long as I live. She said, because it was the first time I had ever felt truly safe with a partner. And my whole mind, my whole world expanded in a nanosecond. Because I didn't, I never realized that when we're talking about things like that, that we're talking about trust and we're talking about safety and we're talking about communication, that there's this other emotional, spiritual, almost metaphysical element to sexuality and connection that we don't learn about. We don't see it often in movies. We don't read about it. And, um, and it blew my mind. And, uh, and it, it, it changed my whole perspective on so many things that you know, transcend way beyond sexuality. Um, but ultimately, it is sort of the, it's the, uh, the bedrock of, of all of our stories tonight, which is that when we feel safe to fully express what we're feeling and thinking, we can create whatever we want for ourselves. And our mission really you know, in, in loving and being loved to touch and, and to be touched is to create that safety for others. And so I am so unbelievably grateful for all of our storytellers tonight. Please put your hands together for them. Thank you for listening to Touchpoint. You can learn more about us at lovetouchpoint.com and follow us on Instagram at, at lovetouchpoint. Have an inspired day, and we'll see you next week.